Chapter Two of Clogshot Chronicles by John Ackworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Billy Botch. Window dressing was at a discount in the Beckside shops. The largest window was that of the clog shop, a short low casement which made up for lack of height by a quite abnormal width. No partition or curtain separated the window from the shop except a strong board cocked slantwise at the inside edge of the window bottom which just enabled old jabe to see over it and keep an eye on the doings of the world outside the window bottom was generally strewn with wax ends clog irons small tins of dubbin bundles of white leather whip lashes for children's tops and clog soles in various stages of preparation of ready-made boots or clogs there was not a single specimen and yet there was for in the very middle of the window, standing on a little platform a few inches high, stood a pair of handsome specimens of the clogger's craft. Except that there was generally a pretty thick coat of recent dust upon them, these clogs were always in a high state of polish. The soles had been varnished, the clasps glittered in a state of quite arrogant brassiness, and the tops were resplendent with innumerable coats of blacking woe to the hapless apprentice who smeared these varnished soles with blacking or left a speck of dimness on the shining clasps now the casual visitor who came to beckside doubtless concluded that these resplendent clogs were trade emblems insignia of the craft he was mistaken to have made a pair of clogs on stock for mere show would have been to make a concession to new-fangled ways of which the old clogger was incapable No these clogs had a history which i am now about to relate jabe once had an apprentice called billy an undersized sickly-looking little fellow with unmanageable dark hair black twinkly eyes and a low broad forehead now all jabe's apprentices were supposed to have done well after they left his training in fact there was a feeling in the minds of the clog shop club that the art of clog making depended for its maintenance as far as lancashire was concerned on the accomplished exponents of it who were turned out from beckside yet whilst they sat at his bench jabe's lads were always leatherheads numbskulls and the like and the last one was always the worst but billy seems to have been exceptionally numb and was emphatically informed about a score times per day thou'll never mak a clogger as long as that week one evening owing to some mental abstraction on jabe's part the usual terms of raillery were wanting and once or twice he spoke quite civilly to his apprentice this produced a marked effect on billy who grew quite light-hearted and had commenced to sing when sam speck from the chimney corner recommended him to go i the next street nothing abashed billy continued his tune and at last forgetting altogether the presence of sam in the corner he turned round upon his bench under the back window and called across the shop Oh say, mester, do you think Ost ever be able to mak a pair? In an instant Jabe was himself again, and realising the danger of further neglect of duty, he replied, Thee, mak a pair, thee, why, thou conna make a wax end greatly yet. Tony thing as ever thou'll be able to mak, will be a, a, a botch. There was a great roar from the chimney corner. Good, Jabe, good. By gum, that's a good un and sam smacked his thigh in delight billy flushed 
and as he bent over his work a great tear splashed down into the sprig-box before him now botch was quite an unusual word in beckside but it sounded so expressive and seemed so exactly to fit the case that it was regarded as one of jabe's greatest inspirations in nomenclature and when sam began to call the poor little apprentice billy botch everybody else fell in with the habit and billy botch he continued to be the lad was really troublesome his over-anxious desire to please made him nervous and he was constantly blundering but he was so evidently proud of a place in the great cloggery so humble and penitent when he had failed and so anxious to make up for his deficiency by harder work that although jabe called him numyed twenty times a day and informed him that all thy fingers is thumbs about the same number of times he hadn't the heart to turn him away billy was worse than an orphan he was the only child of the village sot his mother was dead and billy and his father lived alone the drunkard once a respectable man had starved and almost killed his wife and since her death had alternately petted and abused his son a soft-hearted harmless man to everybody but his own and jabe stuck to billy all the more on this account especially after he discovered that neither abuse nor sympathy would induce the lad to say a word against his father billy was rather a timid boy but on two occasions he'd come to his work with a bloody nose the result of an attack upon some boyish slanderer of his parents and once indeed a dark rumour spread through beckside that billy had lifted his hand to throw a clog sole at his master for a similar offence but as no member of the club knew anything about it and the suggestion was so wildly improbable in itself nobody ever seriously believed it one day sam speck had been chafing billy about his size mon he said leaning his back against the chimney-breast and stretching himself out upon the bench thou grows less there'll be nowt left but thy clugs some day billy began a reply which threatened to end in a whimper when jabe gruffly ordered him to pike off warm and see as thou comes in time it's morning when he had gone jabe put out the brown snuffless candle which was his speciality in dips drew up to the fire and filled his pipe for a time there was silence and then sam removing his pipe from his mouth and nodding emphatically as he looked first at jabe and then at long ben as if to defy even their combined contradiction said it's true the little chap does grow less it's more nor we can say for thy tongue rejoined jabe there was an inarticulate grunt of amusement from long ben far into the ingle nook and then a sudden straightening of his face into portentous seriousness and sudden conviction and he leaned his long body forward and said i'll tell thee what it is jabe that lad's clemt a few days later billy came to his work limping badly and making strenuous efforts to conceal his condition what's up with thee now nowt nowt why thou limps like a three-legged donkey what's to do with thee oh, i tumbled on fender and hurt myself come here and let's look at it slowly and very reluctantly billy came towards the fire and holding up a skinny blue-hued leg exposed a frightful bruise that's niver a four that's a punce war punce thee no reply war punce thee i tell thee no n nobry jabe jumped to his feet if tha tells me a lie i'll knock thee down 
by this time jabe was looking very terrible and stood over billy with an unfinished clog sole ready to strike me feyther the clogger's hand dropped to his side instantly and flinging his weapon back upon the heap it belonged to he sat down and began glowering into the fire that night there was a long confabulation in the ingle nook and all next day sam speck was running to and from the clog shop every few minutes with a look of dark mystery on his face in the evening getting as far into the chimney as they could and speaking under their breath jabe sam and long ben had a secret consultation at the usual time billy rising from his bench at the back window pulling off his apron and blowing out his candle was making for home nah we're at goin demanded jabe in his raspiest voice warm for sure answered billy in dull surprise there's goin to be a halteration between thee and me and jabe pursed out his lips knitted his shaggy brow and jerked his short leg across the other in a manner that brought a dingy patch of colour to billy's cheek why what have i done he was beginning when jabe broke in more sternly than ever i'm about tired to thy gallus ways so i'm going to have thee living in living in murmured billy in perplexity having thy mate here and sleeping said ben from behind a cloud of tobacco smoke far into the chimney a momentary flush of joy suffused billy's dirty cheek and then it vanished and in its place came a hard desperate expression o conna live in thank you kindly mister that means thou inna snarled jabe he's none goin to take it off thy wages thou knows explained ben with a coaxing cadence in his voice billy only shook his head o conna leave my feyther he said at last thy feyther cried jabe with a look of infinite disgust it's about time thou did chimed in sam from the other chimney corner he's left thee for weeks together and he's clemt thee and he's threshed thee and well he broken thee leg a bonny feyther he is he added scornfully after a moment's pause but aw conna leave him said billy with a weary shake of his head then thou other leaves him or me shouted jabe jumping to his feet and shaking his clenched and waxy fist at billy after an awkward pause long ben asked gently why conna thou leave thy feyther lad oh aw promised my mother or wouldn't when oo deed and billy burst into a great sob no more was said to billy on the question of living in but from that time things began to occur which prevented him from being spared about meal-times and accepting the evident intention of jabe he found himself provided with food at the shop but at liberty to go home whenever he preferred some time after this billy was converted and began to take an eager boyish interest in all chapel affairs he grew fond of reading was made school librarian and revelled in the somewhat heavy literature of the vestry cupboards then he fell into the habit of setting the preachers home after evening service and had not been entirely able to conceal from them his own aspirations one day a letter came to the clog shop which billy read in a flutter of delight and dismay it was a request from a sick local preacher that he would take the service at beckside on the following sunday night billy was in a fever he had several discourses prepared and had frequently rehearsed them in the clough lanes but now when the opportunity came his heart failed 
besides he had never dreamed of commencing at beckside how would jabe take it his contempt for young men's forwardness was well known and then his master and long ben were the stewards at the chapel and there was no telling what view they might take of the case especially as billy had no proper authorization all day on friday and also on saturday billy was brooding over the coming ordeal and watching for a favourable opportunity of telling the clogger but none occurred and billy went home on saturday night with his fearful secret locked in his own breast sleep was impossible and when sunday came he went to chapel with the fixed resolution of telling his master after the service but the preacher was billeted with jabe that day and being an old friend would stay to tea so billy's last chance was gone as the stumpy figures of the hair of the head clock hanging in the chapel vestry drew near to six there was anxiety in the minds of those who occupied the apartment long ben was watching the clock and gently rocking his long body to and fro as a vent for his nervousness jabe strode from end to end of the vestry with his most pronounced unevenness of gait and jonas tatlock the leading singer sat at the end of the table tapping impatiently on it with his finger-ends and glancing expectantly every now and again at the door he doesn't use being this lat said long ben apologetically he's ne'er been now else since aw knowed him snapped jabe glad of an outlet for his growing wrath but we's begin at time preacher or no preacher war begin asked long ben cautiously war why thee me oh opened at t last time that did nowt at sort yah burry did jonas broke in jabe was just preparing a fearful blast for these contrary spirits when the door was opened and billy as white as the vestry wall stepped in what's thou want cried jabe at the intruder aw've come to tech service stammered billy there was a dead silence jabe stood glaring at his apprentice in speechless amazement jonas became deeply absorbed in his tune-book and long ben fixed his eyes upon the ceiling as if he expected some explanation from it out of the mouths of babes he murmured at last drawing out the babes as long as possible in a sort of pathetic emphasis the fiery eye which jabe had fixed on billy was now turned upon ben who seemed under the glance to become lankier than ever after transfixing him for some time with a terrific glare jabe turned suddenly on his heel snatched his hat from the peg against the wall and exclaiming mockingly then tha can cuddle thy babes limped into the chapel with his short nose very high in the air in a few moments he was followed by billy and the rest and a buzz of suppressed astonishment arose as the young clogger walked into the pulpit billy trembled until the pulpit wax candles shook in their sockets then in a husky tremulous voice he gave out the hymn the former part of the service was got through without anything that needs comment except that long ben who was not usually very demonstrative in his worship kept up a constant fire of responses during the prayer there had never within living recollection been any moment of stillness in that chapel so awful as that in which billy prepared to announce his text prepare to meet thy god read the preacher a long pause in which long ben sitting near the vestry door declared afterwards he heard every tick of the vestry clock prepare to meet thy god repeated billy 
the superintendent minister had a way of announcing his text twice before he began to preach and so detecting an ambitious imitation sam speck gave a significant and resounding sniff from behind the choir curtain prepare to meet thy god reiterated the preacher with a perceptible quaver in his voice another painful pause and a silence that was deathly broken at last by jabe in the back pew throwing his expressive leg about and kicking the pew front as he groaned audibly and in a tone of insufferable disgust eh dear the young women tittered the boys in the gallery over jabe's head suspended their preparations for fun and were breathlessly attentive all over the chapel there was a bending down of bonnets and jonas in the singing pew began to clear his throat to start a verse then billy gripping the sides of the pulpit to hold himself up began christian brethren along the path of life there are many strange meetings having got started the preacher divided his sermon into the orthodox three parts and an application when he had been going several minutes he seemed to get the upper hand of his work there were a few people at any rate who were all eye and ear the exhortation proved to be longer than the sermon and when billy sat down bathed in perspiration there was many a shining face and not a few glistening eyes in the little beckside congregation on sunday nights the clog shop club sat in jabe's parlour the day's sermons were of course the chief subjects of discussion but the debate was conducted by a strict and well understood method supper of oat-cake cheese and small beer or coffee having been partaken of the critics drew round the fire it would have been nothing short of a misdemeanour for any one to have broached the sermon during supper only strangers ever attempted it and for any one to have led off the conversation without waiting for jabe would have been simply rank treason when the pipes had been lighted and no sound could be heard except the regular pt pt of the smoker's lips as they poured forth expanding columns of smoke jabe would turn to long ben and commence the discussion with the invariable formula well what dost reckon off yon mon on the night of billy's sermon however there was a hitch pt pt went the pipes jabe was a long time beginning pt 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 but he never spoke two or three of the cronies fidgeted in their chairs little david we a sling and a stone said long ben at last in a hesitant musing way ay and plenty thick yed goliaths to throw em at answered jabe the chairs creaked loudly and jonas had a fit of coughing another long silence jabe's rejoinder gave no clue whatever as to his mental whereabouts on the subject of the evening and the first thing to do was to solve that problem so sam speck presently tried the other side but very cautiously it tacks more nor memory to mak a preacher that's why they wouldn't ha thee o reckon said jabe in allusion to a long bygone attempt of sam's to get upon the plan sheepish grins flitted for a moment on two or three countenances and jonas's cough came on again and after a time he said this backer's mortal strung it was no use the conversation would not flow jabe could not be drawn and in spite of several attempts to start other topics the conversation hung fire the club broke up earlier than usual therefore 
and Jabe was left to himself. As he was filling his pipe with a nightcap charge, however, the parlour door opened an inch or two, and Long Ben, holding the door open without coming into sight, said with unnecessary loudness, Jabe, well, deal gently for my sake with the young man, and bang went the door, and Ben's long steps were heard retreating down the road. The night following, however, the ice was broken, and after Sam had retailed all the gossip of Beckside relating to Billy's sermon, and Jabe had elicited from his cronies by such tortuous byways of conversation as were peculiar to them, that they were pleased with the effort, Jabe dropped his mask, and while sternly repressing all extravagance of praise, he conceded in what was regarded as one of his few weak moments, that the lad met make a hexhorter in time. But Billy improved rapidly, was made a local preacher, became in request, and was, withal, exceedingly studious and modest. The super had been planned all day at Beckside one Sunday, and though not billeted with Jabe, he was known to have visited him, and had a long conversation during the day. The gathering in the parlour was therefore unusually large at night in expectation of news. Supper over and the pipes lighted, Jabe, leaning back in his chair until it stood on its back legs only, and looking hard at the brass candlesticks on the high mantelpiece, puffed out a volume of smoke, and remarked in the most indifferent voice he could command, The super's what I call a far-seeing mon. Six pipes were taken out of six mouths, and six pairs of inquiring eyes were turned on Jabe, but nobody spoke. Somewhat disconcerted at not receiving the spoken question, Jabe went on, A gradely common-sense chap. Another long silence, and then Sam Speck, looking across at Jonas as if addressing him particularly, said, Queen Anne's did. Foiled again, Jabe went on another tack, and after a suitable pause remarked, with the same exaggerated assumption of indifference, "'Ah, Billy's been axed to preach to charity sermons at Clough End.' Now most of those present were already in possession of this piece of information, and as everyone felt that this was only preliminary skirmishing, which was being unnecessarily prolonged, they still maintained their taciturnity. Jabe fidgeted in his chair, threw his short leg over one arm of it, then took it down again, and at last, turning to his nearest neighbour, who happened to be Long Ben, he said, The super wants our Billy to come out. Art in the ministry, dost thou mean? Aye. There, the cat was out of the bag now, and in a few minutes they were talking one against the other in a manner bewildering to any but a native Becksider. Sam Speck had expected nowt else in he preached his fuss sermon. Jonas told Jabe, I'll see that lad chairman of a district afore thy dees. Lige, Elijah, the road mender, wanted to know what the circuit would think of Beckside when it turned out a traveller, and Long Ben sat back in his chair with an exhausted pipe between his lips, and beamed in silent satisfaction. When the conversation was loudest and two or three had risen to their feet to get a better hearing, the door opened and in walked Billy. In a moment there was a great hush, and those who were standing slunk back into their chairs, as if they had been suddenly detected in stealing. Billy looked round with curiosity and surprise. "'What is the matter?' he asked, for he had been out preaching, and had not yet dropped back into his workaday vernacular. Jabe was informed afterwards that it would have been more becoming if he had held his tongue on this occasion, a criticism which his own judgment endorsed, but he was excited, 
and so he blurted out the super says tha is to go out the colour went from billy's cheek the hand which rested on jonas's chair shook a soft light came into his eyes and he sank quickly into a seat but nothing could be got out of him as the others talked with a rude eloquence about his future billy looked steadily and abstractedly into the fire a sadness settling on his face which cast its chill over all the company when they were all gone except ben jabe who was evidently waiting turned to his apprentice and demanded well has that out to say about it mester was the reply in tones of anguish even if aw were fit aw conna go that conna go what's to hinder thee billy was still gazing into the fire ay why conna tha go lad added ben aw conna tek my feyther wi me was the slow reply in tones of deep dejection whoso loveth father or mother more than me cried jabe in evident pain and anger if my father were a gradely mon began billy again and then he bent his head down upon his knees and heaved a heavy struggling sob for he was relinquishing the one great dream of his life billy's father it should be said had been converted under one of his son's sermons and for more than a year had kept himself respectable but a few weeks before the night we are speaking of he had broken out again to billy's great grief moreover steady or otherwise he was no longer able to sustain himself next day jabe was unusually quiet and when billy who had been quite as dull as his master was leaving for the night jabe called him back and said in a voice subdued with unwonted emotion owd on lad aw want thee rising from his bench he went and locked the shop door and then pulling billy down upon a stool inside the ingle he said in a choking voice will tha go lad if all tak cur on him they were only simple lancashire men those two but they fell into each other's arms and when they parted jabe had arranged for towd chap to live with him and billy was pledged to offer himself as a candidate for the mission field for it was understood that his heart was set upon that kind of work billy became a candidate for the wesleyan ministry was accepted and as there was great demand for men just then was appointed immediately to the west indies the day of the young missionary's departure from beckside was one of the most memorable in the history of the village the farewell really began the day before billy having finished his packing and made his last calls felt the time hang heavily on his hands and so sat down at his old bench by the back window to make one last pair of clogs as he was getting towards the end of his work a great lunge came against the shop door jabe who generally disdained to leave his bench for any such purpose jumped up hastily and opened the door as he did so a huge chest apparently borne by invisible hands but really held up from the outermost end by long ben came sailing into the shop and was suddenly dropped with a bang upon the floor opposite the fireplace although only early autumn a chip fire was burning and ben after taking his breath made a pretence of warming his hands as he said looking up the shop towards billy there i reckon that'll be big enough for thee now as nearly all billy's belongings had already been packed this box seemed to the young missionary to be a kind of day behind the fair sort of thing but he was soon undeceived for before he could speak sam speck who had been sitting in the nook for some time with a mysterious and somewhat impatient air upon him 
suddenly ducked down and dragging a carefully wrapped parcel from under the stool he had been sitting on cried there if them black starts on thee give em a taste o those and loosing the string he revealed a pair of silver-mounted pistols which even then were antique but were sam's dearest bits of earthly property all this had evidently been arranged for whilst sam was still speaking aunt judy came in with her arms laden with home-made hosiery of the very thickest beckside make a number of pairs of stockings a comforter of bewildering length a heap of mittens of almost all colours and patterns and a long red knitted nightcap with a big bobbing tassel at the top of it why judy cried sam india's a what country he'll near need those things good clothes keeps thee tart as well as the cowed answered judy a little dashed at this failure of her grand coup then others came jonas brought a pedigree fiddle which had been his grandfather's and had made music at innumerable local sermons and tea-meetings presently the box was full and ben began to rearrange the articles for their long journey jabe insisted on helping him and the two bent double over the side of the huge case seemed to take most excessive pains to see that all was safe and it was only when billy stood in a west indian mission house with the thermometer at over ninety degrees and held two greasy money-bags containing gold in his hands that he understood the sweet kindness of this mysterious packing next morning the clog shop was occupied very early by six solemn-looking men dressed in their sunday best an extra coach had been chartered to take them to duxbury whence the new railway was to carry billy and his belongings to london billy's father in a state of nervous collapse sat looking on at the preparations in a dazed manner jabe was scarcely less disturbed though he attempted to get up a conversation on the state of the high roads they were going to travel on just to conceal his own condition a device that deceived nobody billy's successor was stationed in the road to give the signal when the coach and cart for the luggage hove in sight it's coming shouted the new apprentice at last it's coming passed from lip to lip and then with a white face and lips all awork jabe limped to the door and locked it and the company without any prompting but instinct fell to their knees one after the other the humble souls commended their lad to him who holds the winds in his fists and then billy prayed a broken hesitant mixed sort of prayer beginning with the minister's english and ending in the lancashire prentice boy's broad dialect with a great sob for the last amen tak care o me owd feyther me dear dead mother's husband tak care o lord and my second feyther and all my dear owd friends and if we never meet again below may we all meet in heaven and niver niver part again then they dried their eyes and went to the coach all beckside was ready by this time for ned royle had stopped the mill for half an hour to give billy a good send-off then all the clog shop cronies got inside the coach as solemnly as if they'd been going to a funeral and as a big cheer went up from the crowd billy bade farewell to his native village it was a mournful company that gathered round the clog shop fire that night everybody was dull and weary as well as sad presently the shop door opened and a man came in is them clogs done asked the newcomer what clogs said jabe in no mood for mundane matters them as billy said he'd finish for me afore he went 
jabe looked at the customer with a long steady stare during which it was evident something was passing in his mind at last going to billy's bench and picking up a pair of new clogs he put them on the little counter the man was picking them up but jabe snatched at them before him and holding them at a safe distance from the customer he asked is those em aye then jabe drew a long breath and surveying the would-be purchaser from head to foot he said and as thou th impidence to want the last pair o clogs as our billy ever made or ever will mak the man was speechless with astonishment sithee jabe continued there isna brass enoo in all lancashire now nor in all england to buy them clogs next morning long ben had orders to make a little stand and when it was finished the last specimens of billy's handicraft were placed on the top of it and that is the story of billy botch End of chapter 2